0: Welcome to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay, fitting it all together to make teaching and learning in the junior grades more accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host, teacher by day, mom of three, and curriculum creator of all the things from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. Yeah? Oh, it's a new curriculum. Great. It seems to me that here in Ontario, as well as other provinces across the country, are constantly getting new curriculum. Sound familiar? Well, it's even more fun when that new curriculum comes at us with very little warning, and we are expected or presented the idea that we are to completely change and overhaul absolutely everything we are doing because This new and wonderful thing is here, and we must now switch everything and do it this way. So, today I want to talk about what to do and how to handle curriculum changes and what we can do as teachers to reduce some of the stress that this causes and alleviate some of the concerns that you might have because curriculum changes all the time, as it should in most cases. But often, it's not as big of a deal as you think it might be. So let's dig in. Hi, my name is Patty, and I am the teacher, author, and founder of madlylearning.com. Here at Madly Learning, we support Canadian teachers in grades 3, 4, 5, and 6 classrooms fitted all together by making exceptional lessons that engage students to help make teaching more stress-free and enjoyable. So, curriculum changes. In the last couple of years, we've done quite a bit of overhauling here in Ontario, and I know the same is true in BC and Alberta and other provinces as well, is that curriculum is constantly changing and being updated. And while sometimes, such as in the case of Alberta, there is a reason for high levels of concern as to what is being put in our curriculum and the need to kind of push back and fight. Curriculum that should not be put in place. For the most part, we should be encouraging a constant refresh of the curriculum. Our world is constantly changing, and it doesn't seem to make sense that we should have curriculum that is over 10 years old, especially when it does not reflect the 21st century that we live in. It's 2022. We need to acknowledge that technology plays a huge role in our learning, and it should in our curriculum as well. So it is nice to see that some of the curriculum that's being changing over the last couple of years does introduce and address technological advancements in the last 15 years so that we can improve our instruction overall. Most recently here in Ontario, we have seen social studies be revised, math be revised, language looks like it's on the horizon, as well as science will be coming in for 2022. Now, when we think of these new curriculums, often this makes us panic just a little bit because it means we may have to redo everything that we've been doing in the past and create all brand new programs and resources from scratch. Well, let me tell you, there are some things that you can do right now that will help you to alleviate some of the stress when a new curriculum is announced and help you to Manage the storm that comes at you with all of the newest, latest, greatest things when it comes to handling these curriculum changes. The first thing that I want you to do when you hear a new curriculum change is breathe. Just breathe. Most of the time, it is the same ideas, just packaged slightly differently. Some things might be shifted and changed and moved around, but ultimately the same kind of learning happens over and over again. Same concepts are taught, some concepts are added, new concepts are increased, or they're moved around from grade to grade. But for the most part, it's the same concepts often just presented in different language. So look out for that. Look out for just the repackaging of old ideas or the updating. Of old ideas and making them fresher, and realizing that these changes don't necessarily have a enormous impact on what you're doing day to day in the classroom. That often you're doing the same things in the classroom, but perhaps slightly differently. But they're not a huge overhaul. You don't have to start from scratch. You just have to sort of edit and tweak what you're currently doing to what you need to be doing in the future. Now, one of the biggest advantages here is if you happen to own products that are made by Canadian sellers on websites such as TPT or the Madly Learning Canadian shop, all of those resources are constantly kept current and are refreshed with curriculum changes. So if you own science and social studies units, those are updated when curriculum changes come into play. You don't have to rebuy new resources. You have those same resources. They get updated to reflect the new curriculum. Although our science curriculum here in Ontario is not drastically different from what it was, we will be updating and refreshing some of our popular science units in order to reflect the new curriculum for the 2022-23 school year. That's one of the advantages of using those resources is they're not just a use once and then not able to use again. They're not a consumable resource and they are constantly and flexibly updated to meet the needs of classrooms here in Ontario and across the country so that you can breathe easy when you purchase something on, say, TPT or the Madly Learning Canadian store, because that means those resources are constantly going to be updated to meet the new curriculum, which is handy Cause you buy it once and have new resources all the time. Unlike textbooks or classroom resources or American-based resources that aren't specifically designed for the Canadian curriculum or Ontario curriculum, those are not going to be updated to meet changes. So you would need to, if they downloaded, say, grade six content into grade five, You would need to go buy brand new things because those resources are now for a different grade than what you've been assigned versus an Ontario-based teacher who's selling on those marketplaces would be able to be more responsive and adaptive to you because we're using it and that's who we're designing it for. Number two is ride the wave. In the last 15 years, I have been through pedagogy changes over and over and over again. Now, I'm not talking specifically curriculum changes. I'm talking consultants or teacher leaders coming in and saying, this is the way we do things and we only do it this way. And all of the other ways you did it were wrong. For example, phonics. Phonics is something that when I started teaching, phonics was something that they taught in kindergarten. They did jolly phonics. It was something they did. They taught letter sounds. That is a lot of what the kindergarten program was using. They were teaching a lot of phonics, phonemic awareness. All of that was happening in JK, SK, and grade one. Then there was a period of time where they all came in and said, no phonics. Phonics is not the way kids learn how to read. It is not how we should teach them. Three queuing system, all of that, that comes into play. Now we only teach this way. And now the pendulum has swung back again to Team Phonics, which is okay. I don't necessarily disagree. Watching students go through reading programs specifically in their primary grades and the impact it has had on me as a junior teacher, knowing that most students who have gone through these programs actually come into my classroom able to read at or very close to approaching grade level has made a tremendous difference in what I'd be able to do as a teacher. When I don't have to accommodate for students that are reading at a grade one level because they simply weren't taught how to sound out words and letters, it's not a bad pendulum swing back. However, be careful and be cautious about somebody telling you to only do it one way or only do it another way. Those pendulums swing back and forth constantly, whether it's math or science or social studies, health, language. The pendulum swings back. Your best bet when presented new information is to take in some of the ideas, the recycled old ideas that are now presented in new bright, shiny packages, to take it all in and to use your professional judgment as to what makes the most sense and how you're going to present it. That you also know as a teacher, or if you have been around for a while, you know what has worked, what hasn't worked. Learn from other teachers, learn from what they're doing, and make it your own. Ask your co-teachers if you can come in and watch something that they're doing. Come in and watch them run their language program. Come in and watch them run their math program. You get so many ideas just from watching other people teach. And the reality is, is that really the only way you're going to watch somebody else teach is to be in their classroom and watch them teach and just trade different ideas. Sit down with them, plan, collaborate with them, figure out how they're doing it. The last PA day I had was an in-person PA day where we had chances to sit down and just chat with other teachers about how they teach something. And it was eye-opening because there were so many different ideas of how to do the same thing. And we are so much stronger together than we are apart. But we haven't been able to be together for the last two years. And really, truly learn and grow and share with one another about what is best in the classroom. Research is important. It's important that we are research based. It is important that what we are doing is not just anecdotal, but it is backed up by research. But we also need to figure out how to apply that research practically in the classroom. And sometimes the easiest way is to learn from others, to not just ditch one thing and only go for something else and only do it one way. There's so many different ways to do it effectively. Do what works for you in the most efficient and effective way possible. But that doesn't mean there's only one way. So do the one way that's going to work for you and realize that that might take a little bit of time for you to figure out. And that's okay too. The third is be open. It's really easy when someone says, oh, we have something new for you to try, especially in education to just shut down, close the door, and say, I don't don't want to be bothered. It's just something new. It's something, it's more busy work that the admin is trying to give me. Something that I don't want to try. Something that just seems like it's too difficult right now. Everything is difficult when it's presented to you for the first time. Or everything is difficult when it's presented to you and you feel like it's the first time. Even though it's just something that's been recycled from years past, just put in a pretty new package and called a different name with a different acronym. Good teaching is still good teaching. So we can go back to those ideas and really just take that. But be open when presented with new ideas, with new research, with new evidence. With new evidence, we do better. So take that new evidence and say, okay, how is this new evidence, this new ideas, what's being presented to me? How is that the same as what I'm already doing? How is it different? And what is some small tweak that I can make in my classroom that will get me closer to the more ideal that I need to be? So if guided reading is the thing that we want to try now in our classrooms, what are you doing now that could help facilitate you getting a chance to do guided reading? What could you tweet? How could you make it happen? Everything is figure outable. So how can you make that happen? Does that mean it's going to look the same for you in your classroom as it does for the teacher beside you? No, you're going to have to make it work for you. You know your kids the best. You're going to have to figure it out. Maybe it means that your kids are doing their art activity and you're pulling guided reading groups during visual arts. Maybe you spread out visual arts so they do a little bit of visual arts every day. Maybe it's drama. They have a play that they're practicing and you pull a group for guided reading then because you know that they're going to be engaged in that activity and be working and you can quickly pull a group. It doesn't always have to be inside your language block. You can mix things up, break some rules that you think are there and change it so that it works for you. There's not just one way to do it. You can do it multiple ways. Also, read from the source. So if somebody says a new document came out, read the document. If somebody references something, some new research, go find it. Read the actual source. We all know what happens when we play telephone and it gets interpreted and changed and modified and filtered through one version of what somebody thinks should happen. So go find the source, dig in and read exactly what that source says and make your own judgments from there. There's often not a lot wrong with the research. The research often is sound. But what I've noticed in education specifically is that people will read those documents, interpret them their own way, and then present them. Now, that's not a bad thing. I do it. I do it on this show every single week. I present different ideas to you. But there's not one way to do it. And you might have a good idea and you might say, oh, that's really interesting. I want to learn more about that. Learn more about it. Go and dig into the source and read about it and then decide whether the thing that person said to you is a way to accomplish it. So we're going to teach math this way. So we're going to teach math in a spiraled way. It's a popular one these days. Do I think spiraling is great? Absolutely. Did I just have one person tell me what spiraling your math instruction looks like in order to then apply that to my classroom? No, I researched it. I looked it up. I watched some videos. I took different people's perspectives. I read the source. I read why we were deciding this. I listened to some audiobooks on it on my way to work when I have like an extra five minutes of time to listen to something. I did some work to figure out what it meant and what it meant for me and how I could take one small thing in my classroom and I could make one small change that would allow me to be one step closer to accomplishing that goal of, say, spiraled instruction. How could I make it my own? But I do that by getting multiple sources of information and figuring out what it means and what it means for me so that I can then effectively apply that in my own teaching practice. But I try never to take one person's rule as the only way to do it because there's multiple ways to do it. There's always multiple ways to do it. You wanna do math centers in your classroom? Fantastic idea, me too. Is there one way to run your math center? No, there's like 87. You can run your math centers however you want. In order to get math centers accomplished, you can there are flexible groupings, open groupings, closed groupings. You name it, you can get it accomplished. Depends on who's in your class and what their needs are and what you can you can get done as a teacher. You can do math centers, but that doesn't mean that math centers is gonna look the same for you as it does for somebody else. So if you are working with somebody who's an all or nothing Betty and they think that all they want to do is do it one way, and there's only one way is the right way, and that's their way. Push back on that. There's multiple ways to do the same thing correctly. So although our world of teaching is constantly changing, take a breath, ride the wave, and be open to new ideas. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay. Join me on www.madlylearning.com for more information on all things teaching in the junior grades. Don't forget, you can always catch this show on the Madly Learning YouTube channel. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Madly Learning.